Hello, hello, and welcome to the revolution. Welcome to the Liberty Hour of Inform Life Radio. With me today is Bob Runnels in Washington State. Hello, Bob. Hi, Bernadette. How are you? Very, very good. That first hour, the health hour we had with Dr. David Brownstein. I love him. Uh, Dr. It's brownstein.org. Uh, I think I've already lost it. Anyway, you look him up with his name. You'll find his website and his wonderful books and information. Um, I find his life journey so inspiring and, and what a supportive wife to, <laughs> on his journey to figuring out he wanted to really do health and well and uh, wellness and he didn't learn that in medical school. He had to go educate. Yeah, and he's good at helping us. He, sorry, he's good at helping us lose listeners as well with his Michigan talk. Oh, <laughs> well, see, I'm somebody who doesn't even follow sports. Yeah, so, no, it's I big mean, news it's, coming up if they face each uh, other. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's funny how little I care. So, sorry about that, Bob. <laughs> well, I just to speak for the Seattle fans watching uh, from the UW perspective. Yeah. There we yeah. go. So. You know, I, I think it is important to have diversions where we come together as community and we do things that are fun. I think that is important for, for the soul. So I'm not going to completely um, yeah. degrade as, as that. <laughs> yeah, as serious as all the topics are really that we talk about. Yeah. Nice to have a little bit of levity. Yeah, it, it really is. So um, let's see. I got to do our business. The Liberty Hour is brought to everybody by the wonderful members of Informed Choice Washington who, who, yeah, yay, he's got a shirt on, generously give to, um, to support all the great work that Informed Choice uh, Washington does, providing information. Um, it's also a C4 organization, so um, there's lobbying that they can do, um, or I could say we could do because I'm still with Informed Choice Washington to um, a certain degree and hope always my heart and soul is partly out there in Washington State. Um, just really great stuff that um, is getting done and including having this wonderful medical free speech platform on the airwaves in Washington. We're very grateful to KKNW, grateful to people who donate. I encourage people to go to informchoicewa.org. Um, check us out um, if you can. Just give a little bit of uh, money to help keep things going. There's a lot of big fights um, ahead of, in legislative session coming up. We're not going to talk about that too much or really this hour at all, because this hour is focused on um, food as medicine. Um, and that rabbit hole I talked about in the first hour. So for for new listeners, I'll explain that as I was exploring the topic and, and searching online for food as medicine, trying to find out all sorts of science and every, you know, starting at that upper level, I immediately stumbled across a rabbit hole that I hadn't known existed. Um, and that is the industrialization in a way, the medicalization of food as uh, medicine with the names kept coming up um, that I was finding concerning because I feel like their approach to health and wellness absolutely don't align with mine. 
Um, but it's a complicated issue. You know, Bob, one of my favorite expressions is don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, old expression. And, you know, I think we just need to kind of dive in and, and, and kind of show you here. I'm going to share screen. I started throwing together um, a little presentation um, and I didn't get very far, but I did get to start with food is medicine from concept to capture. The concept remains and will always be absolutely solid, right? Bob, you grew up in a house full of uh, a, a generation, multi-generational chiropractic outlook and food you have probably always known is part of health, right? Absolutely. Sugar was highly restricted in our house. And whenever we could get a hold of it as kids, boy, we feasted. We went over the top and a, quite a few of my family members uh, kind of uh, it backfired and they got to enjoy all the sugar they wanted and they went over the top, I think, after. Uh-oh. I, I think we all rebel a little bit. My mom was always a health nut when we were growing up. And, you know, then you go through that teenage period where, oh, you're going to go eat something that was really rare. But the beauty of having the foundations of health as a, as a child is that you really notice when you're eating bad that you don't feel well because you knew what what feeling well was like, you know? And so I, I call it like eating on the dark side and I can't do that. And the older I get, the less I can eat on the dark side without feeling it, <laughs> you know? Right. So, um, so what's going on here is a phenomenon that, that I've been witnessing um, and I'm co captured concepts. So one of the first places I noticed it well, it's actually fairly recently was with regenerative farming. Again, I was doing an online search for regenerative farming and the first website in the list was the World Economic Forum <laughs> and then the World Health Organization. And then, you know, all these globalist entities that believe that don't, us want to, don't want us to eat meat, want us to eat bugs, um, you know, they're pro-GMO, um, funded by some of the biggest industries in the planet that tend to, I believe, um, pollute food. Um, and I'm like, why are they, and you go, they're, they're co-opting our language. It's, it's a bit like they're, they're taking these really wonderful concepts that we would all agree with certain um, explanations of, but they're putting it, using it as a, uh, sheep's clothing on the wolf of what they really want to do, right? Clean environment. Of course, we all want a clean environment. But, you know, the, the concept of wanting to clean things up has now led to we have to get rid of all fossil fuels and all and everything has to be electric. And, you know, and, you know, just everything gets co-opted, the greater good. I, I believe in doing right by my fellow man and, you know, taking care of my brother. And I believe in the greater good. But but now we're being told that concept has been co-opted and we're told it means that you have to take the risk of a medical intervention, you know, to save somebody else, you know. Um, when there one, are other ways, when there are other ways, other solutions to go about contributing to the greater good. 
Exactly, exactly. So, you know, uh, the greater good doesn't mean you take ridiculous risks on things that aren't actually helping anybody. (laughs) So, you know, but it's all about marketing. Marketing is huge right now. Marketing the world. We're in World War Three of marketing is basically where we are. And human beings, I think the best side of being human is being co-opted. We're being made to feel... um, bad about certain things and good about other things um, in order for uh, other people's goals to be had. One Health is a concept that a lot of people have heard of right now. Um, In essence, it just means that the environment and humans and animals are all interconnected and we have to be aware when we do something, we could be harming one or the other. Well, yeah. That makes absolute sense. But when you go look at the One Health concept as the World Economic Forum has it and how it's pushed out through the global entities, it's being used. um, They're claiming one of the aspects they're claiming that climate change is leading to pandemics because of animals causing Uh, an illness in humans, which means we have to use science and technology to create new things that we all have to accept and and have surveillance and tracking and tracing and high-tech solutions, right? Um, And that's one of the reasons why, you know, they're working so hard and they tried so hard to cover up the Wuhan, the Wuhan lab connection to you know, because their whole plan for One Health is to claim that um, we have to do all these drastic changes um, because of, did I already say that the views expressed on this show are not necessarily those? Did I already do that? I know I did it in the first hour. Um, If I didn't, they're not necessarily those of KKNW and CHD, although I think that they'd be very happy for me to be holding up the Wuhan cover. Yeah, for the listeners, um, uh, Bernadette is holding up the Wuhan cover up. Uh, yeah, the Wuhan cover up. And it was launched, uh, delivered starting Tuesday this week. And yes. Boy, yeah, it's just an amazing, almost the follow up to the Fauci book. It is. And he refers back to the Fauci book and it, it is so very good. Oh, I just bumped something that I don't know what it was. Can you, hopefully you can still see me because I'm just lost. looking good. I'm oh good. Bye, I don't bye, know bye. where you, <laughs> oh, it's very disturbing. Okay. There we are. Okay. So, um, so anyway, one health, you know, overall concepts we agree with, everybody would agree with, but the powers that be and what they're doing with that has been sort of hijacked. Diversity and inclusion. Of course, I believe in diversity and I believe everybody should be included. But when I look at the people pushing it, how it's being implemented, you know, that's where the disagreement is is very strong with that because I don't believe it's really... Um, it's not really for the benefit of humankind to all get along. And free speech, of course, has been co-opted to uh, depending on what your views are. And if your views are what are considered to be the current narrative, then um, they uh, use free speech to protect you for saying it. But if it's not the current narrative, they say they have to silence you because you're dangerous. So all of these cat these concepts that on the surface we all agree with 
are being utilized for nefarious reasons. That's the war of the marketing war that we're experiencing. So that leads us then, Bob, to um, the capture of the concept of food as medicine that I came across. So one of the very first things that popped up when I searched for food as medicine was this, we forum agenda. They have a typo in their web link. It says nourishing, they're missing the T. Um, health food and Davos, which Davos is one of their, um, I can actually click on that. Let's see if it, if it follows uh, me there. Did it follow me there? It did. Yes, it did. Okay. Cause this is, I really want to spend some time here. I'm going to click on uh, reject all cookies. Um, some time going through this because they really summarize and, and have links to some of the key players here of what's going on. So um, I guess um, before I even go there, Bob, what do you know about the World Economic Forum and, and Davos? What have you heard? What, what's your feelings for them? Well, my feelings are one of suspicion and uh, supranational, meaning they do not beholden to any other country's government when they put out these policy statements. And so mm -hmm. I have, I, I, I extend my normal skepticism to the World Economic Forum, but I really don't spend much time digging into what they're up to. I really okay. don't. And, and a bit later, I do have a link to um, their members. The, and it's the, it's the top wealthiest, strongest um, businesses, really, globally. Um, anyway, so let, let's go ahead and look at this. So why nutritious food could be the answer to some of the world's greatest health problems. The title of it, absolutely agree. And this is dated January 3rd, 2023. And look at that picture. I agree. Look at that beautiful lettuce and cherry tomatoes and sliced avocados. And is that yam over there? Maybe some baked cubes of yam or something and some cabbage and garbanzo beans. Hopefully those are organic. Otherwise they're loaded in glyphosate, but that looks delicious and healthy. And look at this. Is it um, maybe watercress or uh, what's that other stuff? Um, called. I used to plant it. Now I can't think of, of what it is. I think it's that other stuff. It'll come to me if I think of it sideways there, Bob. Um, so let's look at these bullet points. The World Economic Forum is saying it's time to change the way we think about health and we need to start with food. Agreed. Malnutrition is the leading cause of death and disability worldwide. I would say that's, that's very likely true. So malnutrition doesn't mean that you're you're, you, you're without food, it means that the food, if you are getting food, it's not nourishing you, like Dr. Brownstein talked about, right, in the last hour. Um, and then they say, we must be bold and push the boundaries of the role nutritious food can play in health, and we must embrace the power of technology to help scale these solutions globally. All right, so that's where they lost me. <laughs> so... Um, I do think we need to push the boundaries of how the current medical system is all pharma, 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 and, and go to naturopathic holistic approaches to health and healing. But I don't think that's quite what they mean. They mean it a little bit, but why do we need to embrace the power of technology? I feel like that is concerning. Um, 
and to scale these to solutions globally. Um, from from what I've been reading, it's more of a return to with our understanding of regenerative farming and real health. It's more of returning to the old ways of doing things instead of the um, monocrop spraying system of growing things that we need to do to ensure um, healthy food and have smaller foods, local foods. If you live in an apartment, food grown on the roof, your community garden, you know, down the road, all of these things, these are not technology solutions. Um, so, and, and that concerns me because anytime you hear something has to be bold um, and that a, a global entity needs to embrace the power of technology to push it globally, somebody's making a lot of money somewhere to do this. Okay, so I need to make that a little bit um, bigger, don't I? Because you're not seeing Yeah, for the online well. folks. Sure. Yeah, yeah. How's that? Um, okay. So let's keep reading though. So many of the world's biggest health problems are actually food problems. I'm going to ask you as we go along, Bob, would you agree? So do you agree? Well, and tying to last hour and the overall theme here, uh, nutrition is a huge underlier for general health. So yeah, yes, I guess I would agree for the most part. Okay. And then they repeat that malnutrition is the leading cause of death and disability in the world. And it's hyperlinked. So if anybody wants to go explore, we, we have limited time on this show. So we're going to just be the overview of this topic today. Uh, poor diets are responsible for around 11 million deaths um, annually, they say. That's more than tobacco, high blood pressure, or any other health risk. We're in the midst of a global epidemic of diet-related chronic diseases. Now, from all the people I have interviewed and the, and the reading I have done, I would agree that we are in a global epidemic of diet-related chronic diseases. Would you? Do you think that's... Yeah, and, and certainly here in the U.S., I, our average weight and our body mass indexes are pretty high. Yeah, and nutrients are low in the foods people are getting, and the foods are highly toxic sprayed, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so then they've got a, uh, a graph here that, that is showing the percentage of people that they would consider to be malnourished and how it's on the rise. It's interesting that it was high in 2005, dipped to you know, a certain low in 2014, 15, 16, 17, still going down, but yeah, then it started yeah, going about, up again. Yeah, sorry, down about 40% from its highs back in 2005. And, and so down about 40%. And then it's been, I would call it kind of flat since 2014. Yes, yes. And then 2019 going into 2020, which of course is when the pandemic hit and there was all the lockdowns at a global level. Um, people lost their jobs, um, lost the ability to feed their families. Um, we've got malnu uh, malnutrition on the rise again. And the data stops there. It's an estimate only in 2020 as we yeah. were going into the pandemic. So they yes. haven't produced or collected enough data to extend this graph. But to me, yeah. my radar goes up. Is this alarmism? There's only rough estimates at this point. And there yeah. are huge, huge changes. But there's a knee in the curve or a spike in the curve on this graph we're looking at. Yeah, that's an excellent point that 
you know, they're projecting. And I we learned during COVID not to trust projections that there's usually, um, well, a lot of them that we saw is they want you to feel a certain way. So they have a projection that triggers you to feel a certain way. Obviously they want people to take action. So it goes up, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. And we do know that a lot of the globalists um, were behind a lot of the response to COVID that did, um, that did harm people's access to nutritious, nutritious food because they lost jobs. They lost access to um, a lot of things to use their word access. Um, so time will tell whether or not that is accurate. Okay, so we'll go on. And then they say nutritious food is often the best medicine. Hooray. Absolutely agree with that. Yay. Love them to see it. Right. So we're, we're, we're deep in the wool of this sheep <laughs> on the wolf. And, you know, and I don't want to, okay, throw that baby out of the bathwater. I am in agreement. And I, I, the other thing I want to say is the vast majority of people who are on board with all these programs that, that are everywhere you look now, when you start searching, you're going to see it everywhere. Most people are earnest in their belief in all of this. So the nefariousness comes in at a, a bit deeper level. Okay. Anyway. So they go on to say, despite the well-documented connection between nutrition and health, we're not doing nearly enough in the U.S. or globally to integrate food and nutrition into our health systems. In nearly every country, for instance, soon-to-be doctors receive thousands of hours of medical training, but little, if any, of that training focuses on nutrition and healthy food. Absolute in agreement. And Dr. Brownstein said that very same thing about his education in the first hour, right? Correct. Correct. Uh, haven't we been shouting about two things for the past decade or more in, in the movement we're in is doctors need to be trained in nutrition and actually trained on vaccine, vaccine products, adverse reactions. Both of those are very much missing in their education. Um, and it says many health insurance plans cover the cost of treating an illness, but not preventing it through healthy food and nutrition programs. And that sentence there, Bob, I'll tell you how I feel and I want to hear your thoughts. My thought, as I get older, I tend to be more and more, I believe, in empowering people. Um, you know, occasionally you got to give them fi a fish so they don't starve, but you need to teach them how to fish themselves so they'll, you know, go on to continue to eat and, and do well, right? Um and the problem with medicalizing and having, um, uh, say, insurance coverage of healthy food is that people become dependent on somebody else buying it for them, paying um, for this food. And they become dependent on the government being the supplier of healthy food. And this, it, to me, that's just a real slippery slope when you're depending on your insurance company to pay for something that really should be um, what you do because it's the right thing to do. And, you know, um, you value more. You and I had a conversation earlier. If you go to the grocery store or you go down to the local farmer's market and you pay $5 for a head of gorgeous organic broccoli, you bring that home, you're going to cherish every bite and you're even going to shred up the, 
the stem and make some cabbage, some slaw out of it because you paid a lot for it. You selected it yourself. You met the farmer, you, you value this food. But when you get a prescription for something and it's free, you, you think of it as free, <laughs> it might rot in the fridge and you don't, ah, oh, shoot, I forgot to eat that. Oh, well, I didn't pay for it. You know, there's just so many subtleties about being a human being that have to be considered, you know? Yeah, well, the what temptation you... for Doritos versus the other orange food like carrots. So, yes, yes. Yeah, it's a, it's a real thing in our human condition. Yeah. I, I guess I don't, I, I'm nervous about the sentence here when it says many health insurance plans cover the cost of, but not healthy food and nutrition. So they want insurance to pay for healthy food and nutrition. That's yes. kind of gluing that sentence together into, Yes. We need to get insurance involved in this now? Oh, yeah. So the um, food is medicine it's... is a little bit of education for the public, but the real program everywhere you look is to medicalize food, to make it a prescription and you and have insurance coverage for it. That's what it is. Our so... insurance plans are confusing enough. I Yeah. But yeah. What's the solution? Mm. More. Yeah. So anyway, they go on to write, the result, according to the United Nations, is that we have not been generally progressing towards a world where everyone has access to safe, nutritious, and sufficient food. Until we do, people everywhere will pay the price. It's time to put food and nutrition front and center in our approach to health. I agree. And everyone has a role to play in this. And I agree because I believe in um, uh, responsibility for your health. People have to make good decisions and have some willpower and, you know, pass up those Doritos and, and choose the carrot. For too long, the food industry was on the sidelines in the health arena, in part because they weren't there weren't many incentives for companies to engage. OK, so, Bob, when they're saying there weren't incentives for companies to engage, what does that tell you? What are they going to do? They're, they want to incentivize companies now. So now we're having mm -hmm. to pay companies to they're, they're presuming a solution right there. Yeah. Yeah. And a few ways to accurately measure the impact uh, when they did. Okay. Until recently, we also didn't have the infrastructure or technology to scale nutrition solutions to reach more than a sliver of the population. Okay. So. Well, first of all, uh, go ahead with your thought, but. No, you go. I, I just, I, I, I'm looking at this obviously planted here in the United States and I can go five minutes in either direction, go to three different grocery stores and the aisles are full. The produce section is full. There's an organic selection in each one of those stores, more in some than others. But this is much more of an international approach and, and looking at, I guess, where they don't have great grocery stores or other food systems that can deliver food to the masses. So I, I guess I'm, I might, it might not be resonating yeah, well, with, with us because in we the have United systems. We can deliver by scale and widely distribute in our country, I think. We can. And there are places that they call food deserts, you know, some inner city places where you can't, like if you don't have access to a vehicle, 
Um, you, there isn't a good grocery store within walking distance. So there, there are areas of improvement that are being addressed that has been known about for a long time that that place to go buy those foods is not available or there's not a local garden or something available to you. What alarms me um, about that sentence there is it says we don't have the infrastructure or technology, or we didn't until now, to scale nutrition solutions to reach more than a sliver of the population. I don't but know. Every, I, I just that doesn't resonate with me when they say that. That's alarmism. But go ahead. Right. Well, so everywhere you are on this planet, um, if things are done correctly, you can grow food to sustain yourself to sustain your community. I mean, we all adapted to our habitat, depending on where you are, you know, humans tended to go to places where they could raise enough food to live on. We all have different diets, depending on the environment we're in and different foods that we can grow. Nature provides that. We do have systems. It's called soil and earth and rain and <laughs> irrigation. And, you, you know, I mean, I know more, some places are more difficult than others. I mean, if you're going to be li living in a desert and you've chosen to live somewhere where you cannot grow food, that's a whole different issue. And I know we've done a lot of things to harm the soil and to create famine, but that's not because we lacked, um, technology to scale nutrition, it's because of wars and bad politics and, you know, things that have gone on. But humans have always known, um, and we know more and more about the science of nutrition, and it comes back to getting, feeding the soil so that the soil grows great food and we raise healthy animals. And, you know, so that to me is concerning because to me, what they're saying, if they want to scale nutrition solutions, because they don't think we can feed ourselves, they're talking about growing crickets in massive warehouses and, and creating cricket burgers. You know, that's what I feel like they're moving uh, toward without saying it in that sentence. Well, um, and, and, and the big marketing push, and it's in almost all the restaurants now, is your Beyond Meat solution. Beyond Meat solutions are there. Yeah. So, then they say, um, fortunately, it's beginning to change as we learn about the potential of food as medicine. No, hold on. They're beginning to learn about the potential of food as medicine. Where yeah, have they been? On. Yeah. Uh, come on. Um, I, I, I read most what? of this and I come back to some of our constitutional documents. We hold these truths to be self-evident. We need food. We need nutritious food. <laughs> and... We have farms everywhere and we've been eating it all along and it's scaled actually pretty nicely. And some technology, some conservation right. has led to food solutions that we have yeah. nutrition in our country here. And I, I just, I, I don't right. understand. Th this is, like this is not exactly like false posturing. False posturing. And so, you know, one of the reasons I believe that they haven't kicked all of they, I say the powers that shouldn't be kicked us all off social media and censored us absolutely completely is because they want to listen to what we say, grab our language and concept and ideas and capture them and use them for their own purposes. Right. Because like so much of what we agree, we agree with them on this, but they're going to hijack it and they're going to put the 
the wool on on the on the sheep or no never mind that expression i'm mangling it but okay so on we go um let's see where were we uh new opportunities are emerging are emerging for food related companies to drive real value for and make an impact on everyone from health systems to insurers to patients as a result we're starting to see more grocers consumer packaged goods companies and food focused nonprofits stepping deeper into the health space and then oh here i got to scroll over here meanwhile at instacart <laughs> Sorry, that cracks me up. We have seen firsthand over the last 10 years the incredible impact technology can have in giving people access to the nutritious food they need. I didn't realize that Instacart only let you put healthy food in your cart. I thought you could pretty much put any ding dong and Twinkie that you wanted into your Instacart and have it delivered to your door. But uh, more recently, opportunities started to emerge to harness that same technology to power innovative nutrition programs and drive positive health outcomes for millions of people. Today, the tools have evolved to a point where we can now scale nutritious food as medicine initiatives in ways that simply weren't possible even a year or two ago. Okay, Bob, wait, it's almost 2024. So what, two years ago in the middle of the pandemic? What happened in That's the middle of the when everything was locked down? Things are better now. So what? Yeah. Everybody stayed right. Everybody locked down. They figured out how to use Amazon and how to do um, Uber Eats. Is that what they mean? That's how you can read that. <laughs> sure. Physicians, for example, can now prescribe, order, and send specific food items directly to a patient's door, so the food is waiting for them when they get home from the hospital. Now, I'm not opposed to starting a patient up. Let's say you had heart disease. I put you in the hospital. You've been eating really bad. And so the doctor prescribes healthy food to get you going. I think that's fabulous. Help people initially. How do you, They don't know where to begin. Get them started. So as a concept, I'm not completely opposed to that. I think that there's some really good in there. New technologies also allow health insurers to offer individuals a weekly category-specific grocery stipend tailored to their unique health conditions. Until recently, such personalized programs were limited in size and scope. Today, they can reach millions of people. And then, Bob, so I wanted to talk to you because you mentioned you were talking with a lady you know who's getting such a delivery already. Just last night, just came up completely out of the blue, unrelated to the topic today until I realized it was. Mm -hmm. And she gets a, a box, uh, I think every quarter now, she'll get a box of uh, vegetables, sounds like. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't see everything in the box, but uh, she gave away the bell pepper because she didn't like mm -hmm. it. But I, where'd you get this? I got it from, from my healthcare company. You know, she's uh, older and retired and She's getting it from a Medicaid-type health uh, HMO, I guess. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, so it's a, it's a food RX. It's something that comes from the health clinic to mm -hmm. her house, and it is geared for a healthy immune system in the fall for the flu season. So I'm not opposed to the idea. Me either. Yeah, me, me, I, I me either. Okay, but it's just it's so strange. As a general concept. A, and, and I think she just participated in the program because it was offered, but 
I mean, she's a naturopath. I think she knows what good food is. Right. And, and and I'm I'm with you. Like I'm I'm on board with getting people started to figure it out. My main concern is when it becomes your way of getting your healthy food is through your insurance company. Right? You know, I mean, I'm for minimal insurance, catastrophic insurance, but everything else I pay for myself because there's always hidden agenda and downsides to relying on the government or your insurance company or medical plan to provide something for you long term. Um, so I just see it as a slippery slope. I mean, you know, if as an as a camel's nose under the tent, as they say in politics, to get people used to the government providing your food for you. And I think that's a real concern. And that does um, get the hairs on my neck standing up thinking about yeah. And, and, and the future of that. I also, as just a consumer who wouldn't take advantage of this, mm-hmm. I go to the grocery store and I, I see the collection of foods there and the prices and all the inflation that's taken place. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to get large HMOs and healthcare organizations in the marketplace buying the food from the wholesaler, driving your mm-hmm. price up on a supply demand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to become a market player in the food market, driving our own costs up for people who aren't subscribed to the health plan. Yeah, forcing us to even more people to want to join the health plan because that's where we get our food. Mm-hmm. Perfect, perfect plan. Exactly, and I've lost my. Um, sorry, I keep. Um, I'm. I, I lost my. Um, my graphics of my. Um, can't find the word for oh, it. No, anyway, your, we'll diagram, <laughs> your diagram of how this is going to go from government to the money funded and lead to bad decisions and exactly. And I just the government's I, making decisions for you, Graph. I, I I think I somehow closed the tab, and I had a really funny design that we're not going to be able to show because I somehow closed it. So. I apologize to our viewers, listeners that Bernadette screwed up here, but that's okay. We still got this information to get through. So I'm almost done with this. And then I want to kind of move on to show you. So they're talking about creating bold partnerships between the public and private sectors. Um, In September, 2022, the White House held the first national conference on hunger, nutrition and health in more than 50 years, bringing together leaders from government, industry, academia and more. And the summit cast a much needed spotlight on nutrition related issues and started to forge some of the connections needed to address them. Um, And then they talk about the global uh, food security summit. Um, And then they conclude here, if we... um, they basically want to just change the way the world thinks about health and millions of people will be better for it. I, you know, and again, um, I agree with that um, aspect. So that was. Do you, um, do you have the picture of the, the flyer that came with the box of groceries that I emailed to you? Um, I'll go, I'll see if I can grab that in, in just a second. Um, okay, because that's so, just, that's the other end of that is that yeah. they get you used to getting food from the healthcare system. Oh, and they remind you to get your flu shot at the bottom of the letter that they inserted. Yeah. Um, so the, you, they just get this closed loop system where pretty soon your food's conditional on getting shots. That's the vision I see. Mm-hmm. And so they have a, at the Aspen Institute Food Society, Aspen Institute Food is Medicine Research Action Plan. So then they go into depth about 
the plans of, of, you know, what they intend to do. Um, so I wanted to kind of zip on over to, let me know, Bob, is it following me to the World Economic Forum? Still showing the Aspen Institute Food and Safety. Now it's going to World Economic Forum. Okay, so I wanted to find for you uh, our mission, our partners. Um, are we on our partner page? Yes. Okay, so this entity here, there's so many partners. Let's go down to see the alphabetical list of people um, in here. It's so long <laughs> that, you know, you filter by alphabetical letter and then and by type. So it's so huge. Let's just click on the A's and I'll just show you how huge it is. And let's look at some of the entities involved. Abbott Laboratories. Um, there are about a hundred A's. Yeah, Adobe. Uh, let's see, AstraZeneca, Aramco, <laughs> world's largest farm, uh, uh, oil company, Aramco. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, many, when you, if you go through here, you're going to find a lot of entities with a vested interest in the sick care industry, as we like to call it. Um, and well, that's and kind of a form bear. of we've got these corporations. Bear. Helping define this supranational World mm -hmm. Economic Forum government before our people have agreed to let this government form. Yeah, yeah. So when when you go look at the players involved, if you if you just keep clicking and you read their information critically and like, yes, I agree with that. No, I just, I'm concerned about that language. And then you go look at the players and you watch some of the videos and hear what they have to say. Like um, there was a meeting in Davos in 2015 and I was watching the video and one of the um, doctors on there was Dr. Dean Ornish. I'm like, ah, I've heard of him. I used to read his stuff. He, you know, was really big. I'm like, this kind of cool that he's talking. But as he began to talk, he was, he was bringing up stuff saying that, right, meat is one of the key drivers, meat eating of cancer. So he was on the, he was, he's now in the anti-meat um, group. And then one of the other people they were interviewing said that, oh yeah, the studies, we have to be careful. You know, people just get on these bandwagons and I think they need to do this. And it turns out, well, there was a huge study that said that vitamin D actually increases your risk of, I think it was like osteoporosis or something. Well, I'd have to go look at the study if they were supplementing women with vitamin D, but not K2, right? I mean, it's a complex thing. I mean, was the study designed to fail, which often happens, but this whole thing was like undermining the deeper they got into it, what I understood real food is medicine to be, the types of food, how the food is is got, and even the supplements. So it just, the deeper you get, the more it is completely aligned with this world agenda, the World Health Organization agenda that, um, that I completely disagree with. <laughs> Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's very concerning. And, you know, even like Aspen is, um, or the, was it the Aspen Institute? What were they called? The, um, oh, the Rockefeller Foundation. Let me share that one here. Um, but, you know, they're partnering like with, with Walmart. Um, and I've got to tell you, 
this is I'm showing now the Rockefeller Foundation Food as Medicine Initiative page. Um, if if individuals actually embraced food as medicine, uh, Walmart would have to completely restructure their stores and they would lose a lot of money because you would only be able to eat at the perimeter. You know, the perimeter is your produce department, <laughs> you know, the dairy and eggs and the meat and then only the organic if you really want to embrace food as medicine. They'd have to, you know, practically get rid of most of the food that they're um, that they're selling, um, you know. So it, we don't have time to go into all of these, but I encourage people to go read. And, you know, there we have Biden at the White House talking, you know. So. Um, hold on, I lost myself again. The. The whole food is medicine concept, and, and it was really interesting. I kind of feel like things just happen for a reason. Just as I was going down um, the rabbit hole, I came across this paper. It was November 30th was the day I was actually going down the rabbit hole, Bob. It was this here. Food is medicine approach to disease prevention, limitations, and alternatives. And at first I thought, oh, they're going to try to claim that food, right? That they're going to be against me. But no, they were absolutely, they're the ones who sort of woke me up to what the heck, what is this food is medicine initiative stuff? So let me just go down to some key things that they said was. And, and just let me clear up this for the radio audience too. This is yeah. from the Journal of the American Medical oh, Association from JAMA. And this is yeah. published just a week ago. Yeah, November 30th. 30th. Mm -hmm. And there was an interesting quote. I wonder if you'll find it. Um, tell me, I'm trying to find, it might be the same one I'm looking for. Well, and I was going to ask Dr. Brownstein this as a segue into this show, but you know, he's got all these books and wonderful teachings that he's learned over his 30-year career on natural health, self-supplements, what are the minerals and, and uh, things we need to eat and avoid. Mm -hmm. Well, the Rockefeller Foundation the National mm -hmm. Institutes of Health and Patient Centered Outcomes Research Institute, might need to look that one up, <laughs> announced more than $350 million in food as medicine research. Wow. Well, you know, geez. What yeah. do you think, Bernadette? Do you think we need $350 million to, to figure out that organic natural foods with good micro, micronutrient soils are, are, are what you need? No, they're and they're investing so much money into researching is food medicine and and you know and then it's just a boon to the pharmaceutical industry, to the research industry and the medical industry. They're gonna, you know, change up, create products. It's just a whole other way of capitalizing on and controlling what we eat. And my, my biggest fear is it's big agriculture, not that I'm opposed to it because we do have to scale food to some degree, but big ag has been enabled a lot by these crazy herbicides mm -hmm. and glyphosate. Yeah. And so I'm afraid that that technology is included in this. I'm still amazed at how much glyphosate you find in the, in the store shelves. When you go to the, oh. uh, when you go to the garden store, they're still stocking it. It's almost all the facings of the shelves in this one store that's even supposed to be kind of a natural garden store in our neighborhood. Yeah, it, it's still sold, sold in so many places. There's a lot of work to do. But I want to read this right here um, from this JAMA um, article. It says, we should not overlook that this shift in attention 
with, to food as medicine is a boon to the food industry, which has historically avoided regulation by shaping public narratives about the causes of and responses to public health problems. Throughout the 20th century, the food industry has perpetuated a personal responsibility narrative, which actually I agree with the personal responsibility narrative, um, but says reducing the social causes of diet related diseases to unhealthy lifestyle factors such as poor dietary choices and too little exercise. It took decades for researchers and advocates to educate the public and policymakers about the role of our toxic food environment in driving inequity in chronic diseases. The food as medicine movement risks undoing this work by casting a social problem as a medical one and further shifting the public discourse away from commercial interests as major drivers of disease. And so that's very true. They get us hooked on the fast foods. Everything tastes so much better and they actually formulate food so that it becomes somewhat addictive. You know, um, nobody overeats broccoli. It doesn't have the chemicals in it. When you've had enough, your body says no more. But the same isn't said of junk food. They formulate it so that you crave eating more and more of it. So there is a certain commercial aspect to ill health there beyond, um, you know, personal choices. Um, but then it says, it's no surprise that many large influential food companies such as Amazon, Instacart, and Kroger have loudly touted their support for food as medicine by joining task forces, supporting pilot programs, and integrating programming into corporate social responsibility campaigns. <sighs> yeah, so... I have a campaign for you. What's that? Well, I looked at the other resource that we were do, uh, doing some research on, and it's the White House Commission on Food as Medicine. Yes. And and they have a National Institute of Health Advanced Training in Artificial Intelligence for Precision Nutrition Science Research. Wow. The grant's available. You can mm -hmm. submit your grant now to get artificial intelligence to help you with precision nutrition science. I'm going to try. Alarm bells, alarm bells, alarm bells. <laughs> alarm bells, yes. I'm, I'm going to see. Do you happen to have access to that, um, to that JPEG? I meant to have it loaded, and I don't. The one that you sent me, do you have that? Of the, the letter, the uh, insert with the food box? Yes. Do yeah, you have that? It. Let me just give me a moment. Okay. Um, and then I'll just keep talking, except for now I've lost. <laughs> Sorry, I know I, I steered you the wrong way, but we're still talking about the JM JAMA network. And no, you're okay. What what I everybody's just gonna be cracking up with yeah, yeah. well, that. My screen keeps jumping all over and closing because I'm still not used to this new computer. Well, you'll get to the conclusion of this <laughs> uh, article, no matter what. Uh, I'm sure you're headed there. Yeah. Okay. So where we go? Is this the is this the conclusion that you wanted to read there, Bob? So in a country, still in the JAMA article, in a country in which prevention dollars are relatively scarce, we are forced to make decisions about where to direct public resources. Although food as medicine programs may fill gaps in treatment for some patients, they are not the best bet for preventing diet-related diseases. Instead, we need to focus on changing food industry behavior to ensure that unhealthy foods are not ubiquitous and not as cheap and heavily marketed while ensuring that our existing nutrition assistance programs are accessible and health promoting. We already know that investing in these interventions can make a real and sustained difference in people's lives. It's getting too close to the end of the hour here. 
Um, but for... I think the, the conclusion that maybe you read it already, but I think it deserves repeating anyway. Yeah. And, and they, they talk about, you know, community organizations have provided medically tailored foods to patients with diet sensitive conditions such as HIV and AIDS, type 2 diabetes. And then there are four factors they admit they're standing in the way of getting any real meaningful change. Mm -hmm. They conclude with, we are thus skeptical that food as medicine programs will lead to long-term improvements in diet or health. Right. And that's it. That's what we, we need a whole cultural shift, you know, and not just, you know, we don't need technology sweeping in and making new inventions and taking charge and, and paying for all of this and just generating this whole different food economy. Um, I, and it really concerns me, especially when it's going through health and human services has this food as medicine and it's all tied to world economic forum. These we've, the people involved, we do not trust the EPA is the one that is approving toxins spraying our food. Um, the EPA is the one saying there's no difference between a GMO this and a, and a standard version of it. You know, they don't look at the micronutrients or, you know, things. Um, and then we've got the problem of, you know, like that one article was saying that we need to fund this and that, but we already as a government pay farmers to not farm. We pay them to farm the wrong things. Um, we already, the government is already a massive part of the health problem by how they incentivize um, monocrops and toxic crops and everything else that they're incentivizing. So how can we trust these entities to be the ones to bring us truly nutrition, nutrient dense, properly grown, sustainable foods um, when they're the ones who got us into the mess in the first place, right? So we, so yes, let's keep the concept of food as medicine. And thank you, Bob, for finding that. So um, can I make that a little bit bigger? I'm not, oh, bless you. Okay. So um, this was the in the care package of the person that Bob knows who gets um, a quarterly farm RX box of nutritious food um, had a flyer in it. And what does it show right there at the top of that flyer? I see a little needle, Bob. <laughs> Illness at bay. Schedule your flu shot today. Ooh, they made it rhyme. All righty. And with that, we are right up against the hour. We're going to come back to this topic. You can see we just barely dented it. You've been listening to the Liberty Hour on Inform Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW um, and streaming to CHD TV. Thank you for listening. Do some research. If you find something, send it to us and, and, and we're going to talk a lot more about this. Have a good weekend. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. 
high above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com. Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org today.